please state your name and your title. Hugh Walker. I'm a deputy city manager with the city of Bryan. And complete this sentence for me. The only thing historic downtown Bryan still needs is a blank. What is a blank? Oh, I'm finishing the sentence. I'm you sorry, are. Jay. The only, the only <laughs> thing historic downtown Bryan still needs yeah. is what? More development, especially on the north side. No, I'm sorry. The correct answer was a lazy river. Oh, well, we're actually working on that in several different areas. <laughs> Welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol, and I get to visit today with Hugh Walker, Deputy City Manager for the City of Bryan. Uh, thanks for being here, Hugh. That's my pleasure. Thank you, Jay. You bet. So you've been Deputy City Manager for the City of Bryan, I think, since Will- William Joel Bryan was selling land to the railroad in 1860. Is that fair? It, probably just a little bit before that, but that's close enough. <laughs> So, seriously, give people an idea of the departments and the initiatives that you currently oversee. Uh, currently, um, I have uh, parks, recs, and facilities all com- combined into one. And then risk management, human resources, and then a strange dotted line from public works that takes me to animal services. Hmm. And then I get to work closely with uh, police and fire. I happen to be the civil services director. Um, they do report the chief's report to the city manager, but I'm the civil services director. And then um, some of the initiatives right now that I get to be involved in, and in one way or another, it seems like everybody gets to be involved in you know, a lot of different activities. But uh, right now, uh, Travis Bryan Midtown Park's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, city course, Phillips Event Center, we're going through a rebuild there that's taking a little longer than we anticipated after the storm back in 2021. Yeah, uh, but that's coming along. We anticipate that be opening soon. Um, I'm the audit committee liaison uh, for the city. We actually contract out our internal audit services. Okay. Um, I've been involved outside the organization, a number of different uh, local organizations and uh, statewide. Uh, most recently, I just left the boards of the Texas City Management Association and the Texas Municipal League. So if I'm reading between the lines, it sounds like Deputy City Manager Joey Dunn doesn't do anything. And uh, I'm not sure if Keen Register, the city manager, does either. You have a lot of stuff, Hugh. Oh, no, we left a lot of stuff out. There, there's plenty to go around. Trust me. Um, yeah, that's a ton of stuff. And, and I know I know that list has changed for you uh, as it has for for Joey and, and city managers and so forth over the years. Absolutely. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that, that is a ton of stuff. So today I think we're going to concentrate mostly on uh, the Midtown District. Right. So if you would uh, kind of explain what and where the Midtown District is and maybe what the long-term vision is. Sure. Well, look, Midtown essentially has been that area that's been around for almost 150 years. It connects A&M to downtown. Um, especially down the, the South College Corridor. So it's roughly uh, two square miles. Uh, down, uh, it goes from downtown Bryan to the city limits, the southern end of, of uh, Bryan, and then from uh, Texas Avenue over to Finfeather Road, roughly, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the boundaries, if you will. Um, but then it, it's more than just that. Uh, Midtown went through a very public process uh, in 2020, um, which was an interesting time to go through a public process, right. uh, but it did last about 18 months. And so over a period of 18 months, 
which in, in my history is probably about as long as we've gone through a public process to work on a plan for any given area, including the comprehensive plan. Hmm. And so the public had a, a, an opportunity, lots of opportunities to provide input and feedback and, and how they would like to see standards and guidelines established for that particular area, this particular area of the community. Did you get um, the kind of feedback that you really needed? I, I mean, was it, how did that feedback influence, you know, the plan that actually emerged? Well, the, the feedback we received is the plan. Okay. And, and so, um, again, 18 months of collecting a lot of different input and data. And it's a unique plan that is unlike anything we've had before. And it's probably dissimilar to a, a number of different comprehensive plans in a particular area for a particular area of any community. It's taken and it's taken a, a very thorough look at what already exists, and there are a lot of true gems within Midtown, and we need to expand on those. And then there's a lot of infill development that can occur. Um, and one of those areas is uh, Midtown Park, so Travis Bryan Midtown Park. And so there's, there's lots of opportunities to play off of what's already there and then grow on that. And so, you know, at some point in time, I think the, the real vision is to see something that is more retail and residential combined um, that allows for more pedestrian-friendly, um, homeowner-friendly, you know, something where people get back out of their houses and are in their front yards, on their front porches. Mm. So because Midtown really uh, sort of top to bottom and side to side, it covers so much territory. When you're talking about this evolution of neighborhoods and an infusion of businesses, are we talking about in every part of that area or is it in pockets? Because you talked about true gems existing. Right. So so how does all that fit in? I, I think you'll see pockets. And, and as development goes, you know, even looking and, and watching downtown for the last 25 years, it didn't happen that first year. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been working on it. We, the community, has been working on it for 25 years now. Um, actually, it goes back further than that. One of the first uh, developments in, in downtown was the Palace Theater, and that happened in about 1994. Hmm. And, and so it's, it's taken a long time before we've seen, say, the final change. There is, there is no final, I don't think. Um, it's always evolving. And so for the Midtown area, uh, South College will continue to be that that major corridor that provides the business opportunity, retail opportunity, and then you spread into the neighborhoods from there, much like it is today, but with some changes and some enhancements that both the public and the private sector can bring. And so from the public sector, um, you've seen some changes along South College in the infrastructure so improved infrastructure, so better ability for traffic flow, but also entice the development of retail and commercial. Yeah. So full disclosure, Hugh and I worked together at the City of Bryant from 2000 to 2007. And, and I feel like during those years, there was some kind of a, a study done about South College. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what do we have? How do we make it better? And there was a full plan and presentation, and I don't know, was any of that implemented 
in in the months and years following that, or or any elements of that infused into this master plan? I think some of that was probably what came out of the capital improvement plan. And so the, the growth and development that you've seen along the corridor with the improvements that have been made uh, flowed from that. Um, there's, we've done a number of different plans, so I can't remember that one specifically and, and, and what all was involved there. But the, the change that you've seen in improvements to the infrastructure in particular were probably tied to that. Okay. So the city clearly has a lot of control over the growth and the, the development and the pace of all that within the area it owns. And I, I'm thinking about the old municipal golf course. So that's that's now Travis Bryan, Midtown Park, but also Williamson Park and Aston Park and right. so forth. So what can be done to affect redevelopment of those neighborhoods and commercial areas surrounding Midtown Park? How does that happen? But I think it's it goes back to getting buy-in, first of all, and that's one of the reasons that 18-month process was so important, to have the community come out and, and share what their vision is for that particular area. Similar to downtown, um, we went through a very public process to see what uh, businesses, um, property owners wanted in the downtown area. And then it, it takes time. Uh, so first of all, for downtown in particular, I think what you saw was an initial public investment. Um, there was infrastructure improvements. It was the Palace Theater. Yeah. Uh, that was followed by the LaSalle Hotel. Again, uh, the city was initially very involved in, in making um, taking the boards off the LaSalle Hotel. It was boarded up for 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. And so initially, sometimes it takes the, the public funding to jumpstart the private investment. If we look at downtown now, that public investment pales in comparison to the private investment. Uh, but it wouldn't, may never have happened without that initial public investment. And, and you may recall when you were with the city, there was a, a video that was going around um, in the early 90s about uh, Lyle, Lovett, Lyle mm-hmm. Lovett was downtown. And, mm-hmm. and he talked about, uh, you know, what do we do downtown here? And he had a professor with him. And that professor, was they were walking down the street. This was a, a video. I do remember that. Yeah. And you remember what the, the professor said? The pr- professor said, and he he declared, downtown Bryan is dead and it will ne- never be revived. <laughs> you know, that was 1990, 1991, and now you come full circle. We're sitting here in 2023 going, okay, um, maybe not so dead. Maybe it's been revived. Well, you know, you bring up an excellent point. It's something that I have I have believed and seen since my days with the city of Bryan. And that is that, that Bryan, the city of... Um, if nobody else is believing in or investing in, uh, the city will. And that's what happened. You talked about downtown. That's what happened in traditions right. um, at a time when just the idea of traditions was being met with some uh, some anger and disagreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that's what I sort of see Midtown uh, evolving as uh, as well because – it's the city that is leading the charge with the hopes that the, the private dollars follow. Yes, and that takes some very strong leadership at the council level and the city manager. And I think if you look back in time with each one of those that you just mentioned, downtown, traditions, there was strong leadership at the council level that said, hey, we want to do something different. It's time for us to make a big splash in a particular given area of the community or the or the community as a whole we need this mm-hmm. 
And so if you go back to the, the mid-90s, that city council, their, their real focus was in downtown. And the city focused and, and put a number of millions of dollars into um, infrastructure improvements in downtown. Uh, years later then, you had a council that said, uh, you know, we, we need to work on our residential development. Um, the east is growing a little bit, um, but what, what can we do even more? And along comes traditions. And again, the, the, uh, the city was the dr- initial driver for traditions. Um, what, what's that do for a community? Well, how many communities do you know that have very strong, vibrant, bookend residential areas like we now do with traditions in Miramont? Right. Um, that just doesn't happen just because. Um, it takes some real leadership at both the public and the private sector. And I don't think we would have had traditions or a Miramont type of development if we didn't have the leadership, not just in the public, because, uh, again, it takes the council and the city manager, but it also takes the private leadership and the private investment. Yeah. So if you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters, and my guest is City of Bryan Deputy City Manager Hugh Walker. So, you know, we've talked about the evolution of, of downtown over the last couple decades. Um, we've talked about the... Uh, evolution of traditions. Uh, Miramont wasn't a thing way back uh, when when we were uh, first working together. But you go beyond even the city of Bryan, uh, the Northgate skyline looked very different mm-hmm. a couple decades ago. South College Station was still uh, pasture land. Right. Um, all that sort of thing. So if you can flash ahead 20 years, I mean, what do you think Midtown will look like? I think and and 20 years will be here before we know it much like downtown where I already mentioned downtown that's been 25 plus years ago that that started yeah and so a big change um, but there's still much that can be done um, especially on the north side and so the the midtown area it's already developed much like downtown was and it's a much larger area so 20 years um, I hope what we see is a a road structure, in particular South College, mm. that has been for the most part completely rebuilt. You know, we're I don't know if we're halfway there yet or not, but we're we're continuing that march uh, north, um, where Villa Maria to um, s- several blocks uh, further north will get a transformation that's under design, so that will be improved. And I think you're already seeing some development occurring along the southern ends of South College that will lead to further development. Again, the private sector will come behind the public sector. I'm a true believer in that. And so over a period of time, I think um, most of South College, probably not all, but a good portion of South College will be mostly retail, some commercial. And then you're going to start seeing more and more spillover effect into the neighborhoods. And, and we're already seeing that. We're seeing um, folks come forward and, and want to do new, new developments in, in the area or near the area. Ideally, what we see and what we're already seeing is not just students, but we're seeing an older generation, 65 and older, that are beginning to look at, at that area. I think part of that is going to have to do with the walkability. Um, as we make improvements to South College, walkability becomes much easier for folks. And then you, as you look across South College into Midtown Park, uh, lots of activity in that area in particular, uh, trails that 
residents, including you know, students and, and older folks, can certainly use to exercise and get out and, and enjoy the environment. By the way, I am a Midtown resident. I don't know if that makes me a, a Midtowner, a Midtowny. Uh, what am What am I? Well, you know, it's it's kind of like the Good Life Texas style, Jay. It's it's whatever you want it to be, <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna leave that one up to you. Okay. If you want to be a mid Midtowner, that that sounds perfect to me. By the way, that's a super slogan. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, I, you know, I I thought so too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's let's drill down a little bit into Midtown Park. What role will the Legends Event Center play in terms of generating sales tax revenues, hotel tax revenues for the city? And and sort of a part two of this is. A hotel at Midtown Park has to happen, right? Because it seems like that's that's the best way for the city to to reap the greatest rewards from legends, right? Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about Midtown Park just in general, just briefly. Okay. Initially, um, legends was considered to be something that we would build along Villa Maria near the lake. Uh, so as you're driving down Villa Maria, it would be something that you would recognize. Mm. Um, because of the impact that we really anticipate legends to have, we realized that it could set back further. It's not something you had to see from the road. It is a destination, and we're finding that just to be the case. Um, At the other corner, diagonally, you have big shots. And so that's sort of a destination, more of a regional destination as well, where we're getting lots of traffic. And, And just as an example, the first six months of Big Shots resulted in over 300,000 guests. Say that again. The first six months of Big Shots operations resulted in over 300,000 guests. Holy moly. If you recall, when it was a golf course, um, 30,000 was a good number for us. Sure. Um, and so uh, to take 30,000 and turn it into 300,000, you're getting a much greater use of the property. So let's, now let's look at Legends. Legends as a destination will, first of all, be a place that the community can use. And hopefully they've, a number of folks have already experienced that. I can tell you that, um, especially over the holidays where we had some extended hours for, for open gym. And so you could go in there at any particular given time and see 40, 50, 60, 70 um, residents um, in different areas of the floor playing basketball, practicing volleyball, uh, playing pickleball, just doing different things. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, but what we also had happen, um, the, first sa- the first Sunday, actually, after our grand opening, we had um, a basketball tournament on six different courts. And there's eight basketball courts or 16 volleyball courts. So we had uh, six basketball courts in use and four volleyball courts in use for practice. And we had a cornhole tournament in two other spaces. So essentially the entire space was being used at that particular time. The very next weekend, we had a wrestling tournament where we had over 1,200 participants in the facility almost at one time. Wow. Um, I walked in just to get a feel for it. I, w- I wanted to experience it. There were kids everywhere. And when I say everywhere, they were trying to find spaces. You know, and I've, I used to go to gymnastics meets and swim meets and those sort of things. Right. And these, these kids were always f- trying to find places where they could just sit waiting their turn, right? Same with the wrestlers. Uh, we, had a, we have an arcade area. And they, were, they weren't playing arcade. They were looking for places just to lay and rest. So it was pretty spectacular. 
So in the terms of impact that this facility is going to have, those 1,200 wrestlers were not from Bryan College Station. Sure, some of them were, Mm -hmm. but they were from 52 high schools from across the state. So that's bringing other people's money to our community, OPM, other people's money. Right, right. That's one of the best kind of monies that a community can experience because it's not tax dollars that that we're having to spend as residents. It's not property tax. It's not those sort of things. This is other people's money. They're coming in and and they're staying in our hotels. So that's hotel occupancy tax, hot tax. They're spending money at grocery stores. They're buying fuel. Uh, They're going out to eat. All of that is sales tax, and that only adds to the ability to, for us to increase our quality of life. The other thing that Legends will do is not just an, an area where we have some free, free space, but as a parent, and my, my girls, both my daughters are, are grown now, so I, I won't get to experience this, but we had to travel to San Antonio, to Austin, Houston, Dallas in order to compete in mm-hmm. certain events we can now host those type of events. Can right. we host all of them? It's not an auditorium, so sorry, swimmers. Um, that we won't be taking care of, of, of swim meets. Uh, but wrestling, cheerleading, gymnastics, basketball, volleyball, and the list goes on and on. But back to the possibility of a hotel uh, in proximity, that's yes. still part of the plan, correct? It, it, it is, it, and there needs to be something in the general area. Um, the city's actually looked at a hotel on that particular property a, a couple different times. Once when it was a golf course, because we thought, okay, if we have a golf course, maybe we could use it as a destination. Hmm. Um, and so we, we toyed with that idea. Um, got very little interest, some interest, but very little interest. Um, we've also looked at it more recently. We actually had an RFP, a request for proposals that, that we sent out. Some interest, uh, but we decided to hold off until we had more interest. And I think what a, a developer of a hotel would probably want to see first is, and we did, we checked the interest before we had big shots and before we had legends. Um, they want to see, okay, so the city's got they have these properties now in these facilities. What's that really mean? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when a, when a city builds a facility like a Legends, uh, the city operates it, and cities don't always have the expertise to do so. Um, I don't think we do, and that's one of the reasons we contracted out the operations of Legends. We're using a firm that has a national reputation, and we fully anticipated for legends to grow over a period of time so three four or five years before it was really at its full capacity we are already for 2023 73 70 booked wow and, and that's not because people know about legends it's not because it's brian texas it's not because it's texas a lot of that has to do with the firm that has come in and the, the, they're providing that expertise. They're now, known nationally. Now, is some of that the coveted midweek uh, activity? Because weekends, you know, tend to book up quickly. But are you able to also bring yeah. some of these teams and events here during the middle of the week? Uh, if you call the middle of the week the Wednesday, Thursday, yes. Sure. And we'll have some huge tournaments. In fact, um, Adidas is already going to be here in April and May with two large basketball tournaments. We were not anticipating that sort of activity until year two or three at best. Uh, but they came in while we were still under construction and looked at the f- facility and realized what it was. I, I, I'm not sure we all realize what we have yet, uh, frankly, yeah. uh, but they did. 
and said, we want to be here. And so they're already scheduling that. And so what's that mean? Well, to have an Adidas tournament in Bryan, Texas is absolutely amazing. It's huge. We will draw roughly 250 college basketball coaches to Bryan, Texas. Uh, they'll be looking for talent at these tournaments. And so what's the next step then? Well, when, when somebody like Adidas comes, then you have Nike and Under Armour, and they're looking at this and going, wait a minute. Adidas, Brian, Texas. Mm. What what's this about? Mm-hmm. And so is, this is just the starting point for us. And so we're we're really anticipating some big things. Now back to the hotel. Where do all these people stay? Um, we've got a lot of hotels, uh, but some will want to stay closer to the actual site. Absolutely. And I know when I used to travel with our our daughters, um, the closer to the facility, the better for us. And so, you know, at some point there's going to be somebody that says, hey, it, it's time for us to do something here um, that that may be on that property. It may be somewhere nearby. But uh, eventually I think you're going to see a hotel. So we're starting to run a little short on time. But quickly, now that we have legends to provide the, the indoor courts that don't reside on the A&M campus. What else is lacking in the sports tourism facility portfolio that you think may be pursued? You know, that's that's a good question um, because even when we went through this process for Midtown Park, and again, uh, much like uh, Midtown was a very public process, so was Midtown Park. We went through four to six months of getting public input and out of that came one thing was the the indoor facility. Um, flat fields continue to be probably a great need in our community. Uh, so when I say flat fields, that can be baseball, softball, soccer, football, something that's really interchangeable and so that you can attract a wide variety of activities. Mm. Um, I was talking to David Smith, our Parks and Recreations Director, um, a few days ago and said, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts? And he says, well, we got to take care of Quidditch. I'm going, take care of Quidditch? Quidditch? What, what is, you know, what is that? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, even things like that where, where folks have a place to play those new sort of activities. Okay. Uh, and finally, uh, this could be a leading question, but if, if you go all the way back to the incorporation of the city of Bryant in 1871, would you say that I rank at least in the top five to ever serve as communication director? And why specifically is your answer yes? Boy, Jay, you know, um, usually top five is a, is a pretty elite list, so you'd certainly be in the top ten. Um, <laughs> now, seriously, it, it was a pleasure, and... Um, one of the reasons, uh, the Good Life Texas style, that, that, how, how long do you expect something like that to last? Uh, that has endured for a while. It, it has lasted a long time, and, and that was, that was uh, your creativity right there. So, that, was, that was a project that lasted. Yes, it, it has served us well over time. I have to have you back in here because there's so much more to talk about, but thank you so much for the conversation, City of Bryan, Deputy City Manager Hugh Walker. Thank you, Jay. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Brazos Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM, a member of Texas A&M University's Division of Marketing and Communications. Our show is engineered and edited by Matt Diffin. You can learn more about us at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio. Thanks for listening.